I'm Marcy Watley with Double Creek Farms in Kildare, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen nice gains in the cotton market over the last couple of weeks. So where will the market go from here? Well, if Friday was any indication, we're headed higher. We'll check in with Texas A&M Cotton Marketing Specialist John Robinson to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Putting on a pair of virtual reality goggles is something you might associate with playing a video game. But the technology could also help teach future veterinarians. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The tour of the Texas cotton industry continues for producers from the Mid-South and Southeast cotton-growing regions. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a Tennessee farmer on Texas Ag Today. A new survey of farmers and ranchers in the western half of the U.S. highlights dramatic impacts from dry conditions. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cotton market made a huge jump higher following USDA's 3 million bale cut in U.S. cotton production two weeks ago. But where do we go from here? Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says we could easily test the highs we set earlier this year. Well, I think the easiest projection is to say, you know, that we'll revisit the highs, the contract highs that we've already seen, which is about 132, I think, in the December 22 contract. If things get sloppy in South Texas and, you know, come out as bad as projected by Farmers on Twitter in West Texas, I think we could easily cross over 120 and make a run at 130. Robinson says just any little setback in the Texas harvest this year could push the market to those levels. Most of Texas got some rain over the past week, and that has settled down the fire danger in the state. But it won't last for long. There is still a lot of dry fuel all over the state that could easily start the next big wildfire. Karen Stafford with the Texas A&M Forest Service says farmers and ranchers should stay vigilant when it comes to activities that could start a fire, like welding. If you have to weld and you're around the dry grass, always have a spotter with you that can be watching where those sparks land. Again, keep water on hand, uh, fire extinguishers. And um, if you can, wet down your work area before you start welding. Um, That's a great precaution to take. Also, if you can, weld earlier in the morning when there may be dew on the ground. Um, That's a good safety practice, although that's not always feasible if you're having to spend all day welding a fence. But again, um, very important to keep a spotter that can watch for your sparks and then keep that water source on hand. 
And make sure there are fire extinguishers on every tractor and combine. That's a great safety practice, but then even just make sure that if that if it's the same fire extinguisher that's been in that, that tractor or that combine for years and years and years, make sure that fire hydrant is still operational. Karen Stafford with the Texas A&M Forest Service. The Texas Farm Bureau will host a hybrid forum for landowners interested to learn more about the impact of solar projects and foreign ownership of agricultural land. Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining says both issues have generated many questions and concerns from Texas Farm Bureau members. It has been reported that ERCOT received proposals for solar projects that will total 91,000 megawatts of power. It's estimated it takes 4 to 10 acres of solar panels to generate just one megawatt of power. The forum will be held Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. in Waco. It will also be streamed live via Zoom. Virtual reality seems to go more with gaming than with agriculture, but James Hunt tells us future veterinarians may benefit from that technology. What if veterinary students could visit a farm without actually going there? They can with virtual reality technology. Nicole Anderson is an assistant professor of animal welfare at the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo. She's currently working on a USDA-funded research project testing the use of virtual reality technology to help students get on-farm experience. Anderson says the technology provides imagery of dairies and pig farms that can be accessed through a computer or with virtual reality goggles. We have kind of two different options. There's one where it is a still image and students can click on basically what's called hotspot. So there's little pop-ups of videos, information, text, what have you. But we also have a version that is live video. So you can stand at a spot in that barn and the employees are working around you and you can kind of try and imitate it that way. So you can see somebody coming up checking a piglet, walking away. You can see them actively working the milking machines and the daily blinds, things like that. So it's totally real in the moment. Anderson says the goal is not to outright replace real on-farm visits, but to provide a virtual supplement to help teach various scenarios. We can ask questions like, there's now a biosecurity outbreak. As a veterinarian, where can you make recommendations for improvement and what are they doing well? Or, you know, maybe presenting some other issues within a, uh, a room itself and say, OK, they're having a lot of piglet deaths. What can we do in the failing room as the veterinarian to help improve it? So it's just a chance to try and, like I said, build all those experiences, build knowledge that the more farms they see, the better, again, as a supplementation. As the research continues, Anderson says finding out how useful the technology truly is includes allowing some Texas Tech vet school students to sample it this semester. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A group of cotton farmers from the Mid-South and Southeast spent the past week in Texas learning more about our cotton industry. Tom Nicoletti joined them on their tour. My guest today is cotton farmer Will Robinson from Lavinia, Tennessee, and he was in Texas as part of a producer information exchange sponsored by the National Cotton Council. And Will, you saw uh, various aspects of uh, the cotton industry in the Lubbock and High Plains region of Texas. What did you learn there? Well, where I am in western Tennessee, we're more of a rolling hill area, and we've learned that in this area, they're trying to trap water on their lands and conserve it the best way they can and we're trying to divert water off of ours to keep it from washing away 
learned several different things about uh, irrigation and water conservation. So certainly these aspects are important for you when you go back to Tennessee and raise a crop of cotton. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's that's made me think uh, different ways where we can conserve our water through our pivot irrigations and learn that you can do more with less. Now, certainly you've uh, come to Texas in the middle of a drought, even though temperatures have dropped and there is some rainfall, but uh, certainly quite a different landscape than what you're uh, used to in Tennessee. Oh, yeah, a lot, lot different. More open, larger fields. They deal with sandstorms and wind blowing where, where we don't have that problem. It's been really interesting to look at it. All right, what else can you add about your tour of Texas cotton and the cotton industry? Well, I've, I've always known that Texas has a lot of cotton. In one of the meetings we were in, they said that if it was a country, it'd be the seventh largest country of cotton growing area if it was its own country. So I, I just realized how big that really is when you put numbers on it like that. That is Tennessee cotton farmer Will Robinson in Texas recently uh, looking at the cotton industry in the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The recent rain across Texas has been nice, but the drought is not over. Gary Joyner says drought is not just a problem here in Texas, but in the entire western U.S. Farmers and ranchers across the western half of the country continue to battle severe drought conditions. A new survey of growers in Texas and 16 other states conducted by the American Farm Bureau Federation highlights dramatic impacts from the dry conditions. The states surveyed support nearly half of the nation's $364 billion agricultural production by value. 74% of respondents rated a reduction in harvest yields due to drought as prevalent or higher in their area. Respondents expected average crop yields to be down 38% this year because of drought conditions, with the biggest drop expected in Texas, where yields are reported down 68%. 90% of respondents reported an increase in local feed costs as prevalent or higher in their area. Two-thirds of respondents reported prevalence of selling off portions of the herd or flock, with average herd sizes expected to be down 36% in the surveyed region. The largest herd decline is in Texas, with herds reported down 50%. Respondents expect their farm-related revenue to be down 38% from the average year due to drought, with the highest expected declines in Texas to be at 54%. This magnitude in revenue losses ripples through local rural economies that support vital jobs, tax revenue, and food security. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has voted on a proposal that would create new chronic wasting disease zones and expand others. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And some people feed raw diets to their pets, but that may not be a good idea. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. State officials warn that weather conditions are creating a high risk for wildfires across the state this summer. Warmer, drier than average, and windy conditions are combining with dry vegetative fuels and increasing the potential for significant large fires. Keep your eye on the weather during the summer months and heed warnings from local officials. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some people feed raw diets to their pets, but Dr. Bob Judd says that may not be a good idea. There are a lot of reasons to not feed raw diets. In fact, there are many more reasons against feeding them than there are for feeding them. Most folks feed raw diets because the breeder of their pet told them to do so, not because of a scientific reason. Today's program is not about nutrition, but about the safety of your family. Dr. Weiss is an infectious disease expert, and he indicates on his Worms and Germs blog that he would rather people not feed any raw products to pets like meat or even pig's ears, as there are clear risks to owners. It has routinely been shown that pets fed raw diets have high rates of shedding bacteria that can cause disease, and although the risk is low, it is there, especially with certain susceptible pets or people in the household. This is a major concern if there are people on immunosuppressive therapy or people undergoing cancer treatment in the home. Initial work on raw diets focused on salmonella as a cause of disease in people related to raw diets, and it is still a concern. However, Dr. Weiss indicates that now the major concern is antibiotic-resistant bacteria occurring, like E. coli. Dogs fed raw diets have much higher rates of shedding multidrug-resistant bacteria like E. coli in their feces. In fact, feeding a raw diet is as likely to lead to antibiotic resistance as is giving antibiotics to the pet. This makes the pet more susceptible to resistant gastrointestinal and urinary tract infections, as well as exposes people to these resistant organisms. Some of these diets are treated with high-pressure pasteurization, which does help, but all companies do not do this. Most dogs and cats that are fed raw diets do not need to eat raw diets. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has voted on a proposal that would create new chronic wasting disease zones and expand others. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. After hours of public comment and discussion, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission on Thursday approved a proposal for new and expanded chronic wasting disease zones impacting hunters and landowners in portions of nine counties. The commission's action extends a containment zone impacting Bandera, Medina, and Uvalde counties after chronic wasting disease was discovered in native free-ranging deer. The proposal also includes the creation of a containment zone in Kimball County after CWD was found in a deer breeding facility and adjacent release site. That zone includes the city of Junction so that deer hunters can transport their deer there for processing. A proposed surveillance zone in Duval County that would also impact parts of Jim Wells, Live Oak, and McMullen counties drew the most comments prior to the commission's vote on Thursday. After public comment, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department staff proposed an alternative layout for that zone, reducing its size by about 100,000 acres from the initial proposal. That reduced proposal was the one that was adopted by the commission. The cities of Freer and Alice are included in the zone. After some debate, the commission also added a two-year sunset on that zone with a commitment from TPWD staff to reassess the zone and discuss whether or not it should be expanded or contracted in January. CWD zones come with mandatory testing of hunter-harvested deer and carcass and live deer movement restrictions. That means CWD-susceptible animals must be quartered before leaving the zone and brought to a TPWD check station within 48 hours of harvest. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. 
The cattle market ended the week on a lower note, while cotton and grains climbed higher. We'll check all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833 833- 8972474833897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, give them a call. 8338972474 or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded on both sides of unchanged on Friday. When it all shook out on the close, we ended up lower in both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle dropped 30 cents to end the week at 140.80. October down 60 cents, 143.05, while December live cattle were down 80 to close at 149.10. The corn market saw double-digit gains Friday. That pressured the feeder cattle market. September feeders down 205, 182.20. October feeders down 212 at 183.40. November feeder cattle down $1.90 to close at 185.17. Cash-fed cattle market wrapping up the week, selling cattle here in Texas from 142 to 143. Most of the sales in that 142 level. That's about steady to 50 cents higher compared to last week's average. Up north, we saw live sales ranging from 145 to 149. Dressed sales in the north, mostly 232 to 234. Boxed beef on Friday was mixed. Choice was down 19 cents, 263.35. Select up $1.04 at 238.58. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Carl Herman sells cattle in Caldwell every Wednesday. Carl, how was this week's sale? You know, we had a, a really good sale yesterday. Had over 600 head. Uh, 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 light numbers were due to all the rain we had the previous week, which uh, we needed desperately. Uh, I guess our area had uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, two to uh, six or seven inches. So uh, over uh, four or five days. So it was much needed. Uh, uh, you wouldn't believe how the grass is responding to the uh, to the moisture that we got. But uh, we uh, uh, had. Uh, uh, a very high market yesterday on the calves and the cows for 86 consigners and 43 buyers. We had uh, 75 cows and bulls, slaughtered cows 35 to 105, slaughter bulls 75 to 122, stalker cows 500 to 1100, and no pair. Uh, on the calf side, on the steers, two to three weight steers 175 to 222, three to four weights 183 to 227, four to five weight steers brought 176 to 215, five to six weights 166 to 192. Six to seven weights, 158 to 183, and the seven to eight weight steers, 152 to 155. On the uh, heifer side, two to three weights, 152 to 175. Three to four weight heifers, 
163 to 195. Four to five whites, 160 to 187. Five to six whites, 157 to 190. Six to seven whites, 145 to 163. And the seven to eight white heifers, 130 to 146. Uh, overall, we had a good day, had a lot of good cattle, uh, had uh, uh, lots of buyers, had some new buyers yesterday show up. So uh, everybody wants some cattle now. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week to get those cattle they want now. You bet. Uh, my, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call my friend Max Ebner at 540-8676. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This has been Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Orlean Hogs finished mixed on Friday. The nearby October was down 45 cents at 90.65. December Hogs up 32 at 82.95. Class 3 milk ended the week on a higher note. August milk up 2 cents, 20, 13, 100 weight. September Class 3 milk up 20 at 20, 21, 100. A big rally in the cotton market on Friday as continued fears of a lower U.S. cotton crop support this market. We, of course, have a drought-damaged crop here in Texas, but the Delta and the Southeast also experiencing some weather conditions that could reduce yields. That supported price is sharply higher on Friday. The October up 494 points, 122.12. December cotton up 357 points, at 11768. The corn market seeing a rally throughout the week. Overall, we gained about 41 cents on the December contract throughout this past week. All of that coming on deteriorating crop conditions. USDA continues to drop the crop ratings in their weekly crop progress reports. Also, we had the Pro Farmer Crop Tour going all through the Midwest last week and showing the potential for some drastically reduced yields compared to what USDA is currently estimating. That supported the corn market with September corn up 11 and a quarter, 668 and 3 quarters, December corn up 14 and a quarter, 664 and a quarter. The wheat market kind of riding the coattails of the corn market higher. September Kansas City wheat up 14 and a quarter, 883 and a quarter, while new crop July was up 17 and a half, 872 and a quarter. Same story on the soft wheat market. September Chicago wheat up 15 cents, 784 and three quarters. New crop July up 17 and three quarters at 831 and three quarters. In the energy markets Friday, September natural gas was down 11 cents, 926. October crude oil up 62. 93.14 a barrel. A big drop in the financial markets on Friday afternoon. The Dow down 955 points, 32,336. The NASDAQ down 481 points, 12,151. The S&P down 134 at 4,064. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.